respects to those who visited me, but I continued to discourse on the nature of things as before, keeping to this main point, how the mind, while participating in such movements as go on in the poor flesh, shall be free from perturbations and maintain its proper good. Nor did I, he says, give the physicians an opportunity of putting on solemn looks, as if they were doing something great, but my life went on well and happily. Do, then, the same that he did, both in sickness, if thou art sick, and in any other circumstances. For never to desert philosophy in any events that may befall us, nor to hold trifling talks, either with an ignorant man or with one unacquainted with nature, is a principle of all schools of philosophy. But to be intent only on that which thou art now doing, and on the instrument by which thou doest it. 42. When thou art offended with any man's shameless conduct, immediately ask thyself, Is it possible, then, that shameless men should not be in the world? It is not possible. Do not, then, require what is impossible. For this man also is one of those shameless men who must of necessity be in the world. Let the same considerations be present to thy mind in the case of the knave and the faithless man, and of every man who does wrong in any way. For at the same time that thou dost remind thyself that it is impossible that such kind of men should not exist, thou wilt become more kindly disposed towards every one individually. It is useful to perceive this, too, immediately when the occasion arises, what virtue nature has given to man to oppose every wrongful act. For she has given to man, as an antidote against the stupid man, mildness, and against another kind of man, some other power. And in all cases it is possible for thee to correct by teaching the man who has gone astray. For every man who errs misses his object and is gone astray. Besides, wherein hast thou been injured? For thou wilt find that no one among those against whom thou art irritated has done anything by which thy mind could be made worse. But that which is evil to thee, and harmful, has its foundation only in the mind. And what harm is done, or what is strange, if the man who has not been instructed does the acts of an uninstructed man? Consider whether thou shouldst not blame thyself, because thou didst not expect such a man to err in such a way. For thou hadst means given thee by thy reason to suppose that it was likely that he would commit this error, and yet thou hast forgotten, and art amazed that he has erred. But most of all, when thou blamest a man as faithless or ungrateful, turn to thyself, for the fault is manifestly thy own, whether thou didst trust that a man who had such a disposition would keep his promise, or, when conferring thy kindness, thou didst not confer it absolutely, nor yet in such a way as to have received from thy very act all the profit. For what more dost thou want when thou hast done a man a service? Art thou not content that thou hast done something conformable to thy nature, and dost thou seek to be paid for it, just as if the eye demanded a recompense for seeing, or the feet for walking? For as these members are formed for a particular purpose, and by working according to their several constitutions obtain what is their own, 
so also as a man is formed by nature to acts of benevolence, when he has done anything benevolent or in any other way conducive to the common interest, he has acted conformably to his constitution, and he gets what is his own. Book 10 1. Wilt thou then, my soul, never be good and simple and wan and naked, more manifest than the body which surrounds thee? Wilt thou never enjoy an affectionate and contented disposition? Wilt thou never be full and without a want of any kind, longing for nothing more, nor desiring anything, either animate or inanimate, for the enjoyment of pleasures? nor yet desiring time, wherein thou shalt have longer enjoyment, or place, or pleasant climate, or society of men, with whom thou mayest live in harmony. But wilt thou be satisfied with thy present condition, and pleased with all that is about thee, and wilt thou convince thyself that thou hast everything, and that it comes from the gods, that everything is well for thee, and will be well whatever shall please them, and whatever they shall give for the conservation of the perfect living being, the good and just and beautiful, which generates and holds together all things, and contains and embraces all things, which are dissolved for the production of other like things. Wilt thou never be such, that thou shalt so dwell in community with gods and men, as never to find fault with them at all, nor to be condemned by them? 2. Observe what thy nature requires, so far as thou art governed by nature only. Then do it, and accept it, if thy nature, so far as thou art a living being, shall not be made worse by it. And next thou must observe what thy nature requires, so far as thou art a living being. And all this thou mayest allow thyself, if thy nature, so far as thou art a rational animal, shall not be made worse by it. But the rational animal is consequently also a political, that is, social animal. Use these rules, then, and trouble thyself about nothing else. 3. Everything which happens either happens in such wise as thou art formed by nature to bear it, or as thou art not formed by nature to bear it. If, then, it happens to thee in such a way as thou art formed by nature to bear it, do not complain, but bear it as thou art formed by nature to bear it. But if it happens in such wise as thou art not formed by nature to bear it, do not complain, for it will perish after it has consumed thee. Remember, however, that thou art formed by nature to bear everything, with respect to which it depends on thy own opinion to make it endurable and tolerable, by thinking that it is either thy interest or thy duty to do this. 4. If a man is mistaken, instruct him kindly and show him his error. But if thou art not able, blame thyself, or blame not even thyself. 5. Whatever may happen to thee, it was prepared for thee from all eternity and the implication of causes was from eternity spinning the thread of thy being, and of that which is incident to it. 6. Whether the universe is a concourse of atoms, or nature is a system, 
Let this first be established, that I am a part of the whole which is governed by nature. I am in a manner intimately related to the parts which are of the same kind with myself. For remembering this, inasmuch as I am a part, I shall be discontented with none of the things which are assigned to me out of the whole, for nothing is injurious to the part if it is for the advantage of the whole. For the whole contains nothing which is not for its advantage, and all natures indeed have this common principle. But the nature of the universe has this principle besides, that it cannot be compelled, even by any external cause, to generate anything harmful to itself. By remembering then that I am a part of such a whole, I shall be content with everything that happens, and inasmuch as I am in a manner intimately related to the parts which are of the same kind with myself, I shall do nothing unsocial, but I shall rather direct myself to the things which are of the same kind with myself, and I shall turn all my efforts to the common interest, and divert them from the contrary. Now, if these things are done so, life must flow on happily, just as thou mayst observe that the life of a citizen is happy, who continues a course of action which is advantageous to his fellow citizens, and is content with whatever the state may assign to him. 7. The parts of the whole, everything I mean, which is naturally comprehended in the universe, must of necessity perish. But let this be understood in this sense, that they must undergo change. But if this is naturally both an evil and a necessity for the parts, the whole would not continue to exist in a good condition, the parts being subject to change and constituted so as to perish in various ways. For whether did nature herself design to do evil to the things which are parts of herself, and to make them subject to evil, and of necessity fall into evil, or have such results happened without her knowing it? Both those suppositions, indeed, are incredible. But if a man should even drop the term nature as an efficient power, and should speak of these things as natural, even then it would be ridiculous to affirm at the same time that the parts of the whole are in their nature subject to change, and at the same time to be surprised or vexed, as if something were happening contrary to nature, particularly as the dissolution of things is into those things of which each thing is composed. For there is either a dispersion of the elements out of which everything has been compounded, or a change from the solid to the earthy, and from the airy to the aerial, so that these parts are taken back into the universal reason, whether this at certain periods is consumed by fire or renewed by eternal changes. And do not imagine that the solid and the airy part belong to thee from the time of generation, for all this received is accretion only yesterday and the day before, as one may say, from the food and the air which is inspired. This, then, which has received, the accretion, changes, not that which thy mother brought forth. But suppose that this, which thy mother brought forth, implicates thee very much with that other part, which has the peculiar quality of change. This is nothing, in fact, in the way of objection to what is said. 8. When thou hast assumed these names, good, modest, true, rational, 
a man of equanimity and magnanimous, take care that thou dost not change these names, and if thou shouldst lose them, quickly return to them. And remember that the term rational was intended to signify a discriminating attention to every several thing, and freedom from negligence, and that equanimity is the voluntary acceptance of the things which are assigned to thee by the common nature, and that magnanimity is the elevation of the intelligent part above the pleasurable or painful sensations of the flesh, and above that poor thing called fame and death, and all such things. If, then, thou maintainest thyself in the possession of these names, without desiring to be called these names by others, thou wilt be another person, and will enter into another life. For to continue to be such as thou hast hitherto been, and to be torn in pieces and defiled in such a life, is the character of a very stupid man, and one over-fond of his life, and like those half-devoured fighters with wild beasts, who though covered with wounds and gore, still entreat to be kept to the following day, though they will be exposed in the same state to the same claws and bites. Therefore, fix thyself in the possession of these few names, and if thou art able to abide in them, abide as if thou wast removed to certain islands of the happy. But if thou shalt perceive that thou fallest out of them, and dost not maintain thy hold, go courageously into some nook where thou shalt maintain them, or even depart at once from life, not in passion, but with simplicity and freedom and modesty, after doing this one thing at least in thy life, to have gone out of it thus. In order, however, to the remembrance of these names, it will greatly help thee if thou rememberest the gods, and that they wish not to be flattered, but wish all reasonable beings to be made like themselves. And if thou rememberest that what does the work of a fig tree is a fig tree, and what does the work of a dog is a dog, and what does the work of a bee is a bee, and that what does the work of a man is a man. 9. The Fripperies of Home War, astonishment, torpor, slavery, will daily wipe out those holy principles of thine. How many things without studying nature dost thou imagine, and how many dost thou neglect? But it is thy duty so to look on, and so to do everything, that at the same time the power of dealing with circumstances is perfected, and the contemplative faculty is exercised, and the confidence which comes from the knowledge of each several thing is maintained without showing it, but yet not concealed. For when wilt thou enjoy simplicity, when gravity, and when the knowledge of every several thing, both what it is in substance, and what place it has in the universe, and how long it is formed to exist, and of what things it is compounded, and to whom it can belong, and who are able to both give it and take it away. 10. A spider is proud when he has caught a fly, and another when he has caught a poor hare, and another when he has taken a little fish in a net, and another when he has taken wild boars, and another when he has taken bears, and another when he has taken sarmatians. Are not these robbers, if thou examinest their opinions?
Eleven. Acquire the contemplative way of seeing how all things change into one another, and constantly attend to it, and exercise thyself about this part of philosophy, for nothing is so much adapted to produce magnanimity. Such a man has put off the body, and as he sees that he must, no one knows how soon go away from among men and leave everything here. He gives himself up entirely to doing justly in all his actions, and in everything else that happens, he resigns himself to the universal nature. But as to what any man shall say or think about him or do against him, he never even thinks of it, being himself contented with these two things: with acting justly in what he now does, and being satisfied with what is now assigned to him. And he lays aside all distracting and busy pursuits, and desires nothing else than to accomplish the straight course through the law, and by accomplishing the straight course to follow God. Twelve. What need is there of suspicious fear, since it is in thy power to inquire what ought to be done? And if thou seest clear, go by this way content, without turning back. But if thou dost not see clear, stop and take the best advisers. But if any other things oppose thee, go on according to thy powers with due consideration, keeping to that which appears to be just. For if it is best to reach this object, and if thou dost fail, let thy failure be in attempting this. He who follows reason in all things is both tranquil and active at the same time. And also cheerful and collected. Thirteen, inquire of thyself as soon as thou wakest from sleep, whether it will make any difference to thee if another does what is just and right. It will make no difference. Thou hast not forgotten, I suppose, that those who assume arrogant airs in bestowing their praise or blame on others are such as they are at bed and at board. And thou hast not forgotten what they do and what they avoid, and what they pursue, and how they steal and how they rob, not with hands and feet, but with their most valuable parts, their mind, by means of which there is produced, when a man chooses, fidelity, modesty, truth, law, a good daemon. Fourteen, to her who gives and takes back all. To nature, the man who is instructed and modest says, "Give what thou wilt, take back what thou wilt." And he says this not proudly, but obediently and well pleased with her. Fifteen, short is the little which remains to thee of life. Live as on a mountain, for it makes no difference whether a man lives there or here. If he lives everywhere in the world as in a state, let me see. Let them know a real man who lives according to nature. If they cannot endure him, let them kill him, for that is better than to live thus as those men do. Sixteen. No longer talk at all about the kind of man that a good man ought to be, but be such. Seventeen, constantly contemplate the whole of time and the whole of substance, 
and consider that all individual things, as to substance, are a grain of a fig, and as to time, the turning of a gimlet. 18. Look at everything that exists, and observe that it is already in dissolution and in change, and as it were, putrefaction or dispersion, and that everything is so constituted by nature as to die. 19. Consider what men are when they are eating, sleeping, generating, easing themselves, and so forth. Then what kind of men they are when they are imperious and arrogant, or angry and scolding from their elevated place. But a short time ago, to how many they were slaves, and for what things, and after a little time consider in what a condition they will be. 20. That is for the good of each thing, which the universal nature brings to each, and it is for its good at the time when nature brings it. 21. The poet says, The earth loves the shower, and the solemn ether loves, and the universe loves to make whatever is about to be. I say then to the universe, that I love as thou lovest. And is not this too said, that this or that loves to be produced? 22. Either thou livest here, and hast already accustomed thyself to it, or thou art going away, and this was thy own will, or thou art dying, and hast discharged thy duty. But besides these things there is nothing. Be of good cheer, then. 23. Let this always be plain to thee, that this piece of land is like any other, and that all things here are the same with things on the top of a mountain, or on the seashore, or wherever thou choosest to be. For thou wilt find just what Plato says, dwelling within the walls of a city as in a shepherd's fold on a mountain. 24. What is my ruling faculty now to me, and of what nature am I now making it, and for what purpose am I now using it, is it void of understanding? Is it loosed and rent asunder from social life? Is it melted into and mixed with the poor flesh so as to move together with it? 25. He who flies from his master is a runaway, but the law is master, and he who breaks the law is a runaway. And he also who is grieved or angry or afraid is dissatisfied because something has been, or is, or shall be, of the things which are appointed by him who rules all things, and he is law, and assigns to every man what is fit. He then who fears, or is grieved, or is angry, is a runaway. 26. A man deposits seed in a womb and goes away and then another cause takes it and labours on it and makes a child. What a thing from such a material! Again, the child passes food down the throat, and then another cause takes it and makes it perception and motion, and in fine, life and strength and other things. How many and how strange! Observe, then, the things which are produced in such a hidden way, 
and see the power, just as we see the power which carries things downwards and upwards, not with the eyes, but still no less plainly. 27. Constantly consider how all things, such as they now are, in time past also were, and consider that they will be the same again, and place before thy eyes entire dramas and stages of the same form, whatever thou hast learned from thy experience or from older history. For example, the whole court of Hadrianus, and the whole court of Antoninus, and the whole court of Philippus, Alexander, Croesus, for all those were such dramas as we see now, only with different actors. 28. Imagine every man who is grieved at anything or discontented to be like a pig who is sacrificed and kicks and screams. Like a pig also is he who on his bed in silence laments the bonds in which we are held, and consider that only to the rational animal is it given to follow voluntarily what happens, but simply to follow is a necessity imposed on all. 29. Severally, on the occasion of everything that thou dost, pause and ask thyself if death is a dreadful thing because it deprives thee of this. 30. When thou art offended at any man's fault, forthwith turn to thyself and reflect in what like manner thou dost err thyself. For example, in thinking that money is a good thing, or pleasure, or a bit of reputation, and the like. For by attending to this thou wilt quickly forget thy anger, if the consideration also is added, that the man is compelled. For what else could he do? Or, if thou art able, take away from him the compulsion. 31. When thou hast seen Satyron the Socratic, think of either Eutyches or Hymen, and when thou hast seen Euphrates, think of Eutychion or Silvanus, and when thou hast seen Alciferon, think of Tropiophorus, and when thou hast seen Xenophon, think of Crito or Severus, and when thou hast looked on thyself, think of any other Caesar. And in the case of every one, do in like manner. Then let this thought be in thy mind. Where then are those men? Nowhere or nobody knows where. For thus continuously thou wilt look at human things as smoke and nothing at all, especially if thou reflectest at the same time that what was once changed will never exist again in the infinite duration of time. But thou, in what a brief space of time is thy existence, and why art thou not content to pass through this short time in an orderly way? What matter and opportunity for thy activity art thou avoiding? For what else are all these things except exercises for the reason, when it has viewed carefully and by examination into their nature the things which happen in life. Persevere, then, until thou shalt have made these things thy own, as the stomach which is strengthened makes all things its own, as the blazing fire makes flame and brightness out of everything that is thrown into it. 32. Let it not be in any man's power to say truly of thee that thou art not simple, or that thou art not good, 
but let him be a liar, whoever shall think anything of this kind about thee, and this is altogether in thy power. For who is he that shall hinder thee from being good and simple? Do thou only determine to live no longer, unless thou shalt be such? For neither does reason allow thee to live, if thou art not such. 33. What is that which as to this material, our life, can be done or said in the way most comfortable to reason? For whatever this may be, it is in thy power to do it or to say it, and do not make excuses that thou art hindered. Thou wilt not cease to lament till thy mind is in such a condition that what luxury is to those who enjoy pleasure, such shall be to thee, in the matter which is subjected and presented to thee, the doing of the things which are conformable to man's constitution. For a man ought to consider, as an enjoyment, everything which is in his power to do according to his nature. And it is in his power everywhere. Now, it is not given to a cylinder to move everywhere by its own motion, nor yet to water, nor to fire, nor to anything else which is governed by nature or an irrational soul, for the things which check them and stand in the way are many. But intelligence and reason are able to go through everything that opposes them, and in such manner as they are formed by nature, and as they choose. Place before thy eyes this facility with which the reason will be carried through all things, as fire upwards, as stone downwards, as a cylinder down an inclined surface, and seek for nothing further. For all other obstacles either affect the body only, which is a dead thing, or, except through opinion and the yielding of the reason itself, they do not crush nor do any harm of any kind, for if they did, he who felt it would immediately become bad. Now, in the case of all things which have a certain constitution, whatever harm may happen to any of them, that which is so affected becomes consequently worse. But in the like case, a man becomes both better, if one may say so, and more worthy of praise by making a right use of these accidents. And finally, remember that nothing harms him who is really a citizen, which does not harm the state, nor yet does anything harm the state, which does not harm law and order, and of these things which are called misfortunes, not one harms law. What then does not harm law, does not harm either state or citizen. 34. To him who is penetrated by true principles, even the briefest precept is sufficient, and any common precept, to remind him that he should be free from grief and fear. For example, Leaves, some the wind scatters on the ground, so is the race of men. Leaves also are thy children, and leaves too are they who cry out as if they were worthy of credit, and bestow their praise, or, on the contrary, curse, or secretly blame and sneer. And leaves, in like manner, are those who shall receive and transmit a man's fame to after times. For all such things as these are produced in the season of spring, as the poet says. Then the wind casts them down, then the forest produces other leaves in their places, but a brief existence is common to all things, 
and yet thou avoidest and pursuest all things, as if they would be eternal. A little time, and thou shalt close thy eyes, and him who has attended thee to thy grave, another soon will lament. 35. The healthy eye ought to see all visible things, and not to say, I wish for green things, for this is the condition of a diseased eye. And the healthy hearing and smelling ought to be ready to perceive all that can be heard and smelled. And the healthy stomach ought to be with respect to all food, just as the mill with respect to all things which it is formed to grind. And accordingly, the healthy understanding ought to be prepared for everything which happens. But that which says, Let my dear children live, and let all men praise whatever I may do, is an eye which seeks for green things, or teeth which seek for soft things. 36. There is no man so fortunate that there shall not be by him when he is dying some who are pleased with what is going to happen. Suppose that he was a good and wise man, will there not be at least someone to say to himself, Let us at last breathe freely, being relieved from this schoolmaster. It is true that he was harsh to none of us, but I perceive that he tacitly condemns us. This is what is said of a good man. But in our own case, how many other things are there for which there are many who wish to get rid of us? Thou wilt consider this, then, when thou art dying, and thou wilt depart more contentedly by reflecting thus, I am going away from such a life, in which even my associates, in behalf of whom I have striven so much, prayed and cared, themselves wish me to depart, hoping perchance to get some little advantage by it. Why then should a man cling to a longer stay here? Do not, however, for this reason, go away less kindly disposed to them, but preserving thy own character, and friendly and benevolent and mild, and on the other hand, not as if thou wast torn away, but as when a man dies a quiet death, the poor soul is easily separated from the body, such also ought thy departure from men to be, for thy nature united thee to them, and associated thee. But does she now dissolve the union? Well, I am separated as from kinsmen, not, however, dragged resisting, but without compulsion. For this, too, is one of the things according to nature. 37. Accustom thyself as much as possible, on the occasion of anything being done by any person, to inquire with thyself, for what object is this man doing this? But begin with thyself, and examine thyself first. 38. Remember that which pulls the strings is the thing which is hidden within. This is the power of persuasion, this is life, this, if one may say so, is man. In contemplating thyself, never include the vessel which surrounds thee and these instruments which are attached about it, for they are like to an axe, differing only in this, that they grow to the body. For indeed, there is no more use in these parts without the cause which moves and checks them than in the weaver's shuttle, the writer's pen.
and the driver's whip. Book 11 1. These are the properties of the rational soul. It sees itself, analyzes itself, and makes itself such as it chooses. The fruit which it bears itself enjoys, for the fruits of plants and that in animals which corresponds to fruits others enjoy. It obtains its own end wherever the limit of life may be fixed. Not as in a dance and in a play and in such like things, where the whole action is incomplete if anything cuts it short, but in every part and wherever it may be stopped, it makes what has been set before it full and complete, so that it can say, I have what is my own. And further, it traverses the whole universe and the surrounding vacuum and surveys its form, and it extends itself into the infinity of time and embraces and comprehends the periodical renovation of all things, and it comprehends that those who come after us will see nothing new, nor have those before us seen anything more. But in a manner, he who is forty years old, if he has any understanding at all, has seen by virtue of the uniformity that prevails all things which have been, and all that will be. This, too, is a property of the rational soul, love of one's neighbour, and truth and modesty, and to value nothing more than itself, which is also the property of law. Thus the right reason differs not at all from the reason of justice. 2. Thou wilt set little value on pleasing song, and dancing, and wrestling, if thou wilt distribute the melody of the voice into its several sounds, and ask thyself as to each, if thou art mastered by this. For thou wilt be prevented by shame from confessing it. And in the matter of dancing, if at each movement and attitude thou wilt do the same, and the like also in the matter of wrestling. In all things, then, except virtue and the acts of virtue, remember to apply thyself to their several parts, and by this division to come to value them little, and apply this rule also to thy whole life. 3. What a soul that is which is ready, if at any moment it must be separated from the body, and ready either to be extinguished or dispersed, or continue to exist, but so that this readiness comes from a man's own judgment, not from mere obstinacy, as with the Christians, but considerately and with dignity, and in a way to persuade another, without tragic show. 4. Have I done something for the general interest? Well then, I have had my reward. Let this always be present to thy mind, and never stop doing such good. 5. What is thy art? To be good. And how is this accomplished well, except by general principles, some about the nature of the universe, and others about the proper constitution of man? 6. At first, tragedies were brought on the stage as a means of reminding men of the things which happen to them, and that it is according to nature for things to happen so, and that, if you are delighted with what is shown on the stage, you should not be troubled with that which takes place on the larger stage. 
For you see that these things must be accomplished thus, and that even they bear them who cry out, O Scytheron! And, indeed, some things are said well by the dramatic writers, of which kind is the following especially. Me and my children, if the gods neglect, this has its reason too. And again, we must not chafe and fret at that which happens. And life's harvest reap like the wheat's fruitful ear, and other things of the same kind. After tragedy, the old comedy was introduced, which had a magisterial freedom of speech, and by its very plainness of speaking was useful in reminding men to beware of insolence, and for this purpose too Diogenes used to take from these writers. But as to the middle comedy, which came next, observe what it was, and again for what object the new comedy was introduced, which sank gradually down into a mere mimic artifice. That some good things are said, even by these writers, everybody knows, but the whole plan of such poetry and dramaturgy, to what end does it look? 7. How plain does it appear that there is not another condition of life so well suited for philosophizing as this in which thou now happenest to be? 8. A branch cut off from the adjacent branch must of necessity be cut off from the whole tree also. So too a man when he is separated from another man has fallen off from the whole social community. Now as to a branch, another cuts it off, but a man by his own act separates himself from his neighbour when he hates him and turns away from him and he does not know that he has at the same time cut himself off from the whole social system. Yet he has this privilege certainly from Zeus, who framed society, for it is in our power to grow again to that which is near to us, and again to become a part which helps to make up the whole. However, if it often happens, this kind of separation, it makes it difficult for that which detaches itself to be brought to unity and to be restored to its former condition. Finally, the branch, which from the first grew together with the tree, and has continued to have one life with it, is not like that which after being cut off is then ingrafted, for this is something like what the gardeners mean when they say that it grows with the rest of the tree, but that it has not the same mind with it. 9. As those who try to stand in thy way, when thou art proceeding according to right reason, will not be able to turn thee aside from thy proper action, so neither let them drive thee from thy benevolent feelings toward them, but be on thy guard equally in both matters, not only in the matter of steady judgment and action, but also in the matter of gentleness to those who try to hinder or otherwise trouble thee. For this also is a weakness, to be vexed at them, as well as to be diverted from thy course of action and to give way through fear. For both are equally deserters from their post, the man who does it through fear, and the man who is alienated from him who is by nature a kinsman and a friend. 10. There is no nature which is inferior to art, for the arts imitate the natures of things, but if this is so, that nature which is the most perfect and the most comprehensive of all natures cannot fall short of the skill of art. 
Now all arts do the inferior things for the sake of the superior. Therefore, the universal nature does so too. And indeed, hence is the origin of justice, and in justice the other virtues have their foundation. For justice will not be observed if we either care for middle things, that is, things indifferent, or are easily deceived and careless and changeable. 11. If the things do not come to thee, the pursuits and avoidances of which disturb thee, still in a manner thou goest to them. Let then thy judgment about them be at rest, and they will remain quiet, and thou wilt not be seen either pursuing or avoiding. 12. The spherical form of the soul maintains its figure when it is neither extended towards any object, nor contracted inwards, nor dispersed, nor sinks down, but is illuminated by light, by which it sees the truth, the truth of all things, and the truth that is in itself. 13. Suppose that any man shall despise me, let him look to that himself, but I will look to this, that I be not discovered doing or saying anything deserving of contempt. Shall any man hate me, let him look to it, but I will be mild and benevolent towards every man, and ready to show even him his mistake, not reproachfully, nor yet as making a display of my endurance, but nobly and honestly, like the great Phocian, unless indeed he only assumed it. For the interior parts ought to be such, and a man ought to be seen by the gods neither dissatisfied with anything, nor complaining. For what evil is it to thee, if thou art now doing what is agreeable to thy own nature, and art satisfied with that which at this moment is suitable to the nature of the universe? Since thou art a human being, placed at thy post in order that what is for the common advantage may be done in some way. 14. Men despise one another, and flatter one another, and men wish to raise themselves above one another, and crouch before one another. 15. How unsound and insecure is he who says, I have determined to deal with thee in a fair way. What art thou doing, man? There is no occasion to give this notice. It will soon show itself by acts. The voice ought to be plainly written on the forehead. Such as a man's character is, he immediately shows it in his eyes, just as he who is beloved forthwith reads everything in the eyes of lovers. The man who is honest and good ought to be exactly like a man who smells strong, so that the bystander, as soon as he comes near him, must smell him whether he choose or not. But the affectation of simplicity is like a crooked stick. Nothing is more disgraceful than a wolfish and false friendship. Avoid this most of all. The good and simple and benevolent show all these things in the eyes, and there is no mistaking. 16. As to living in the best way, the power is in the soul, if it be indifferent to things which are indifferent and it will be indifferent if it looks on each of these things separately and altogether, 
and if it remembers that not one of them produces in us an opinion about itself, nor comes to us, but these things remain immovable, and it is we ourselves who produce the judgments about them, and, as we may say, write them in ourselves, it being in our power not to write them, and it being in our power, if perchance these judgments have imperceptibly got admission to our minds, to wipe them out. And if we remember also that such attention will only be for a short time, and then life will be at an end. Besides, what trouble is there at all in doing this? For if these things are according to nature, rejoice in them, and they will be easy to thee. But if contrary to nature, seek what is conformable to thy own nature, and strive towards this, even if they bring no reputation. For every man is allowed to seek his own good. 17. Consider whence each thing is come, and of what it consists, and into what it changes, and what kind of a thing it will be when it has changed, and that it will sustain no harm. 18. If any have offended against thee, consider first, what is my relation to men, and that we are made for one another, and in another respect I was made to be set over them, as a ram over the flock, or a bull over the herd. But examine the matter from first principles, from this. If all things are not mere atoms, it is nature which orders all things. If this is so, the inferior things exist for the sake of the superior, and these for the sake of one another. Second, consider what kind of men they are at table, in bed, and so forth, and particularly under what compulsions in respect of opinions they are, and as to their acts, consider with what pride they do what they do. Third, that if men do rightly what they do, we ought not to be displeased. But if they do not do right, it is plain that they do so involuntarily and in ignorance. For as every soul is unwillingly deprived of the truth, so also it is unwillingly deprived of the power of behaving to each man according to his deserts. Accordingly, men are pained when they are called unjust, ungrateful and greedy, and in a word, wrongdoers to their neighbours. Fourth, consider that thou doest many things wrong, and that thou art a man like others, and even if thou dost abstain from certain faults, still thou hast the disposition to commit them, though either through cowardice, or concern about reputation, or some such mean motive, thou dost abstain from such faults. Fifth, consider that thou dost not even understand whether men are doing wrong or not. For many things are done with a certain reference to circumstances, and in short, a man must learn a great deal to enable him to pass a correct judgment on another man's acts. Sixth, consider when thou art much vexed or grieved that man's life is only a moment, and after a short time we are all laid out dead. Seventh, that it is not men's acts which disturb us, for those acts have their foundation in men's ruling principles, but it is our own opinions which disturb us. Take away these opinions then and resolve to dismiss thy judgment about an act, as if it were something grievous, and thy anger is gone, 
How then shall I take away these opinions? By reflecting that no wrongful act of another brings shame on thee. For unless that which is shameful is alone bad, thou also must of necessity do many things wrong, and become a robber and everything else. Eighth, consider how much more pain is brought on us by the anger and vexation caused by such acts than by the acts themselves, at which we are angry and vexed. Ninth, consider that a good disposition is invincible, if it be genuine and not an affected smile and acting apart. For what will the most violent man do to thee, if thou continuest to be of a kind disposition towards him, and if, as opportunity offers, thou gently admonishest him and calmly correctest his errors at the very time when he is trying to do thee harm, saying, Not so, my child, we are constituted by nature for something else. I shall certainly not be injured, but thou art injuring thyself, my child, and show him by gentle tact and by general principles that this is so, and that even bees do not do as he does, nor any animals which are formed by nature to be gregarious. And thou must do this, neither with any double meaning, nor in the way of reproach, but affectionately and without any rancour in thy soul, and not as if thou wert lecturing him, nor yet that any bystander may admire, but meant for him alone. Remember these nine rules, as if thou hadst received them as a gift from the muses, and begin at last to be a man while thou livest. But thou must equally avoid nattering men, and being vexed at them, for both are unsocial and lead to harm. And let this truth be present to thee in the excitement of anger, that to be moved by passion is not manly, but that mildness and gentleness, as they are more agreeable to human nature, so also they are more manly, and he who possesses these qualities possesses strength, nerves and courage, and not the man who is subject to fits of passion and discontent. For in the same degree in which a man's mind is nearer to freedom from all passion, in the same degree also is it nearer to strength, and as the sense of pain is a characteristic of weakness, so also is anger. For he who yields to pain, and he who yields to anger, both are wounded, and both submit. But if thou wilt, receive also a tenth present from the leader of the muses, and it is this, that to expect bad men not to do wrong is madness, for he who expects this desires an impossibility. But to allow men to behave so to others, and to expect them not to do thee any wrong, is irrational and tyrannical. 19. There are four principal aberrations of the superior faculty against which thou shouldst be constantly on thy guard, and when thou hast detected them, thou shouldst wipe them out and say on each occasion thus, This thought is not necessary. This tends to destroy social union. This which thou art going to say comes not from the real thoughts, for thou shouldst consider it among the most absurd of things for a man not to speak from his real thoughts. But the fourth is when thou shalt reproach thyself for anything, for this is an evidence of the diviner part within thee being overpowered and yielding to the less honourable and to the perishable part, the body, and to its gross pleasures.
20. Thy aerial part, and all the fiery parts which are mingled in thee, though by nature they have an upward tendency, still in obedience to the disposition of the universe, they are overpowered here in the compound mass, the body, and also the whole of the earthy part in thee, and the watery, though their tendency is downward, still are raised up and occupy a position which is not their natural one. In this manner, then, the elemental parts obey the universal, for when they have been fixed in any place, perforce they remain there until again the universal shall sound the signal for dissolution. Is it not then strange that thy intelligent part only should be disobedient and discontented with its own place? And yet no force is imposed on it, but only those things which are conformable to its nature. Still it does not submit, but is carried in the opposite direction. For the movement towards injustice and intemperance, and to anger and grief and fear, is nothing else than the act of one who deviates from nature. And also, when the ruling faculty is disconnected with anything that happens, then too it deserts its post. For it is constituted for piety and reverence towards the gods, no less than for justice. For these qualities also are comprehended under the generic term of contentment with the constitution of things, and indeed they are prior to acts of justice. 21. He who has not one and always the same object in life cannot be one and the same all through his life. But what I have said is enough, unless this also is added, what this object ought to be. For as there is not the same opinion about all the things which in some way or other are considered by the majority to be good, but only about some certain things, that is, things which concern the common interest, so also ought we to propose to ourselves an object which shall be of a common kind, social and political. For he who directs all his own efforts to this object will make all his acts alike, and thus will always be the same. 22. Think of the country mouse and the town mouse, and of the alarm and trepidation of the town mouse. 23. Socrates used to call the opinions of the many by the name of Lamiae. Bugbears to frighten children. 24. The Lacedaemonians at their public spectacles used to set seats in the shade for strangers, but sat themselves down anywhere. 25. Socrates excused himself to Perdiccas for not going to him, saying, It is because I would not perish by the worst of all ends. That is, I would not receive a favour and then be unable to return it. 26. In the writings of the Ephesians, there was this precept constantly to think of some one of the men of former times who practised virtue. 27. The Pythagoreans bid us in the morning look to the heavens. That we may be reminded of those bodies which continually do the same things and in the same manner perform their work, and also be reminded of their purity and nudity, for there is no veil over a star. 28. 
Consider what a man Socrates was when he dressed himself in a skin after Xanthippe had taken his cloak and gone out, and what Socrates said to his friends who were ashamed of him and drew back from him when they saw him dressed thus. 29. Neither in writing nor in reading wilt thou be able to lay down rules for others before thou shalt have first learned to obey rules thyself. Much more is this so in life. 30. From the Odyssey, a slave thou art, free speech is not for thee. And 31. And my heart laughed within. 32. And from Hesiod, and virtue they will curse, speaking harsh words. 33. To look for a fig in winter is a madman's act. Such is he who looks for his child when it is no longer allowed. 34. When a man kisses his child, said Epictetus, he should whisper to himself, Tomorrow perchance thou wilt die. But those are words of bad omen. No word is a word of bad omen, said Epictetus which expresses any work of nature, or if it is so, it is also a word of bad omen to speak of the ears of corn being reaped. 35. The unripe grape, the ripe bunch, the dried grape, are all changes, not into nothing, but into something which exists not yet. From Epictetus. 36. Also from Epictetus. No man can rob us of our own free will. 37. Epictetus also said, A man must discover an art, or rules, with respect to giving his assent, and in respect to his movements he must be careful that they be made with regard to circumstances, that they be consistent with social interests, that they have regard to the value and the object, and as to sensual desires, he should altogether keep away from it, and as to avoidance and aversion, he should not show it with respect to any of the things which are not in our power. 38. The dispute, then, he said, is not about any common matter, but about being mad or not. 39. Socrates used to say, What do you want? Souls of rational men or irrational? Souls of rational men. Of what rational men? Sound or unsound? Sound. Why then do you not seek for them? Because we have them. Why then do you fight and quarrel? Book 12. 1. All those things at which thou wishest to arrive by a circuitous route, thou canst have now, if thou dost not refuse them to thyself. And this means if thou wilt take no notice of all the past, and trust the future to providence, and direct the present only conformably to piety and justice. Conformably to piety, that thou mayest be content with the lot which is assigned to thee, for nature designed it for thee, and thee for it, conformably to justice, that thou mayst always speak the truth freely and without disguise, 
and do the things which are agreeable to law, and according to the worth of each. And let neither another man's wickedness hinder thee, nor opinion, nor voice, nor yet the sensations of the poor flesh which has grown about thee, for the passive part will look to this. If, then, whatever the time may be when thou shalt be near to thy departure, neglecting everything else, thou shalt respect only thy ruling faculty and the divinity within thee, and if thou shalt be afraid, not because thou must sometimes cease to live, but if thou shalt fear never to have begun to live according to nature, then thou wilt be a man worthy of the universe which has produced thee, and thou wilt cease to be a stranger in thy native land, and to wonder at things which happen daily as if they were something unexpected, and to be dependent on this or that. 2. God sees the minds and ruling principles of all men bared of material vesture and rind and impurities. For with his intellectual part alone, he touches the intelligence only which has flowed and been derived from himself into these bodies. And if thou also usest thyself to do this, thou wilt rid thyself of much trouble. For he who regards not the poor flesh which envelops him, surely will not trouble himself by looking after raiment and dwelling and fame, and such like externals and show. 3. The things are three of which thou art composed, a little body, a little breath, intelligence. Of these, the first two are thine, so far as it is thy duty to take care of them, but the third alone is properly thine. Therefore, if thou shalt separate from thyself, that is, from thy understanding, whatever others do or say, and whatever thou hast done or said thyself, and whatever future things trouble thee, because they may happen, and whatever in the body which envelops thee, or in the breath, which is by nature associated to the body, is attached to thee independent of thy will, and whatever the external circumfluent vortex whirls round, so that the intellectual power, exempt from the things of fate, can live pure and free by itself, doing what is just, and accepting what happens, and saying the truth, if thou wilt separate, I say, from this ruling faculty the things which are attached to it by the impressions of sense, and of things of time to come, and of time that is past, and wilt make thyself like Empedocles' sphere, all round and in its joyous rest reposing. And if thou shalt strive to live only what is really thy life, that is, the present, then thou wilt be able to pass that portion of life which remains for thee up to the time of thy death, free from perturbations, nobly, and obedient to thy own daemon. 4. I have often wondered how it is that every man loves himself more than all the rest of men, but yet sets less value on his own opinion of himself than on the opinion of others. If then a god or a wise teacher should present himself to a man, and bid him to think of nothing and to design nothing which he would not express as soon as he conceived it, he could not endure it even for a single day. So much more respect have we to what our neighbours shall think of us than to what we shall think of ourselves. 5. How can it be that the gods, after having arranged all things well and benevolently for mankind, 
have overlooked this alone, that some men, and very good men, and men who, as we may say, have had most communion with the divinity, and through pious acts and religious observances have been most intimate with the divinity, when they have once died should never exist again, but should be completely extinguished. But if this is so, be assured that if it ought to have been otherwise, the gods would have done it. For if it were just, it would also be possible, and if it were according to nature, nature would have had it so. But because it is not so, if in fact it is not so, be thou convinced that it ought not to have been so. For thou seest even of thyself that in this inquiry thou art disputing with the deity, and we should not thus dispute with the gods unless they were most excellent and most just. But if this is so, they would not have allowed anything in the ordering of the universe to be neglected unjustly and irrationally. 6. Practice thyself in the things which thou despairest of accomplishing. For even the left hand, which is ineffectual for all other things for want of practice, holds the bridle more vigorously than the right hand, for it has been practised in this. 7. Consider in what condition, both in body and soul, a man should be when he is overtaken by death, and consider the shortness of life, the boundless abyss of time past and future, the feebleness of all matter. 8. Contemplate the formative principles of things bare of their coverings, the purposes of actions. Consider what pain is, what pleasure is, and death and fame. Who is to himself the cause of his uneasiness? How no man is hindered by another, that everything is opinion. 9. In the application of thy principles, thou must be like the Pancratiast, who wrestles and boxes, not like the gladiator. For the gladiator lets fall the sword which he uses, and is killed, but the other always has his hand, and needs to do nothing else than use it. 12. With respect to what happens conformably to nature, we ought to blame neither gods, for they do nothing wrong either voluntarily or involuntarily, nor men, for they do nothing wrong except involuntarily. Consequently, we should blame nobody. 13. How ridiculous and what a stranger he is who is surprised at anything which happens in life. 14. Either there is a fatal necessity and invincible order, or a kind of providence, or a confusion without a purpose and without a director. If then there is an invincible necessity, why dost thou resist? But if there is a providence which allows itself to be propitiated, make thyself worthy of the help of the divinity. But if there is a confusion without a governor, be content that in such a tempest thou hast in thyself a certain ruling intelligence. And even if the tempest carry thee away, let it carry away the poor flesh, the poor breath, everything else, for the intelligence at least it will not carry away. 15. Does the light of the lamp shine without losing its splendour until it is extinguished? And shall the truth which is in thee, 
and justice and temperance be extinguished before thy death. 16. When a man has presented the appearance of having done wrong, say, How then do I know if this is a wrongful act? And even if he has done wrong, how do I know that he has not condemned himself? And so this is like tearing his own face. Consider that he who would not have the bad man do wrong is like the man who would not have the fig tree to bear juice in the figs, and infants to cry, and the horse to neigh, and whatever else must of necessity be. For what must a man do who has such a character? If then thou art irritable, cure this man's disposition. 17. If it is not right, do not do it. If it is not true, do not say it. 18. In everything, always observe what the thing is which produces for thee an appearance, and resolve it by dividing it into the formal, the material, the purpose, and the time within which it must end. 19. Perceive at last that thou hast something in thee better and more divine than the things which cause the various emotions, and, as it were, pull thee by the strings. What is there now in my mind? Is it fear, or suspicion, or desire, or anything of the kind? 20. First, do nothing inconsiderately, nor without a purpose. Second, make thy acts refer to nothing else than to a social end. 21. Consider that long before thou wilt be nobody and nowhere, nor will any of the things exist which thou now seest, nor any of those who are now living. For all things are formed by nature to change, and be turned, and to perish, in order that other things in continuous succession may exist. 22. Consider that everything is opinion, and opinion is in thy power. Take away then, when thou choosest, thy opinion, and like a mariner who has doubled the promontory, thou wilt find calm, everything stable, and a waveless bay. 23. Any one activity, whatever it may be, when it has ceased at its proper time, suffers no evil because it has ceased. Nor he who has done this act does he suffer any evil for this reason, that the act has ceased. In like manner, then, the whole, which consists of all the acts, which is our life, if it cease at its proper time, suffers no evil for this reason, that it has ceased. Nor he who has terminated this series at the proper time, has he been ill dealt with. But the proper time and the limit nature fixes, sometimes as in old age the peculiar nature of man, but always the universal nature, by the change of whose parts the whole universe continues ever young and perfect. And everything which is useful to the universe is always good and in season. Therefore, the termination of life for every man is no evil, because neither is it shameful, since it is both independent of the will and not opposed to the general interest, but it is good, since it is seasonable and profitable to and congruent with the universal. For thus too is he moved by the deity, who is moved in the same manner with the deity, 
and move towards the same thing in his mind. 24. These three principles thou must have in readiness. In the things which thou doest, do nothing either inconsiderately or otherwise than as justice herself would act. But with respect to what may happen to thee from without, consider that it happens either by chance or according to providence, and thou must neither blame chance nor accuse providence. Second, consider what every being is from the seed to the time of its receiving a soul, and from the reception of a soul to the giving back of the same, and of what things every being is compounded, and into what things it is resolved. Third, if thou should suddenly be raised up above the earth, and should look down on human things, and observe the variety of them, how great it is, and at the same time also should see at a glance how great is the number of beings who dwell all around in the air and the ether, consider that as often as thou shouldst be raised up, thou wouldst see the same things, sameness of form and shortness of duration. Are these things to be proud of? 25. Cast away opinion, and thou art saved. Who then hinders thee from casting it away? 26. When thou art troubled about anything, thou hast forgotten this, that all things happen according to the universal nature, and forgotten this, that a man's wrongful act is nothing to thee, and further thou hast forgotten this, that everything which happens always happens so, and will happen so, and now happens so everywhere. Forgotten this, too, how close is the kinship between a man and the whole human race, for it is a community, not of a little blood or seed, but of intelligence. And thou hast forgotten this, too, that every man's intelligence is a god and is an efflux of the deity, and forgotten this, that nothing is a man's own, but that his child and his body and his very soul came from the deity. Forgotten this, that everything is opinion. And lastly, thou hast forgotten that every man lives the present time only, and loses only this. 27. Constantly bring to thy recollection those who have complained greatly about anything, those who have been most conspicuous by the greatest fame or misfortunes, or enmities or fortunes of any kind. Then think where are they all now, smoke and ash and a tale, or not even a tale. And let there be present to thy mind also everything of this sort, how Fabius Catilinus lived in the country, and Lucius Lupus in his gardens, and Stertinius at Brie, and Tiberius at Caprae, and Velius Rufus, and in fine to think of the eager pursuit of anything conjoined with pride, and how worthless everything is after which men violently strain, and how much more philosophical it is for a man in the opportunities presented to him to show himself just, temperate, obedient to the gods, and to do this with all simplicity. For the pride which is proud of its want of pride is the most intolerable of all. 28. 
To those who ask, where hast thou seen the gods, or how dost thou comprehend that they exist, and so worshippest them? I answer, in the first place, they may be seen even with the eyes. In the second place, neither have I seen my own soul, and yet I honour it. Thus then, with respect to the gods, from what I constantly experience of their power, from this I comprehend that they exist, and I venerate them. 29. The safety of life is this, to examine everything all through, what it is itself, that is its material, what the formal parts, with all thy soul to do justice and to say the truth. What remains except to enjoy life by joining one good thing to another, so as not to leave even the smallest intervals between? 30. There is one light of the sun, though it is interrupted by walls, mountains, and other things infinite. There is one common substance, though it is distributed among countless bodies, which have their several qualities. There is one soul, though it is distributed among infinite natures and individuals. There is one intelligent soul, though it seems to be divided. Now in the things which have been mentioned, all the other parts, such as those which are air and matter, are without sensation and have no fellowship. And yet even these parts, the intelligent principle holds together, and the gravitation towards the same. But intellect, in a peculiar manner, tends to that which is of the same kin, and combines with it, and the feeling for communion is not interrupted. 31. What dost thou wish? To continue to exist? Well, dost thou wish to have sensation, movement, growth, and then again to cease to grow, to use thy speech, to think? What is there of all these things which seems to thee worth desiring? But if it is easy to set little value on all these things, turn to that which remains, which is to follow reason and God. But it is inconsistent with honouring reason and God to be troubled, because by death a man will be deprived of the other things. 32. How small a part of the boundless and unfathomable time is assigned to every man, for it is very soon swallowed up in the eternal. And how small a part of the whole substance, and how small a part of the whole universal soul, and on what small clod of the whole earth thou creepest. Reflecting on all this, consider nothing to be great, except to act as thy nature leads thee, and to endure that which the common nature brings. 33. How does the ruling faculty make use of itself? For all lies in this, but everything else, whether it is in the power of thy will or not, is only lifeless ashes and smoke. 34. This reflection is most adapted to move us to contempt of death, that even those who think pleasure to be a good and pain an evil still have despised it. 35. The man to whom that only is good which comes in due season and to whom it is the same thing whether he has done more or fewer acts conformable to right reason, 
and to whom it makes no difference whether he contemplates the world for a longer or a shorter time. For this man neither is death a terrible thing. 36. Man, thou hast been a citizen in this great state, the world. What difference does it make to thee, whether for five years or three? For that which is conformable to the laws is just for all. Where is the hardship, then, if no tyrant nor yet an unjust judge sends thee away from the state, but nature, who brought thee into it? The same as if a praetor who has employed an actor dismisses him from the stage. But I have not finished the five acts, but only three of them. Thou sayest well, but in life the three acts are the whole drama. For what shall be a complete drama is determined by him who was once the cause of its composition, and now of its dissolution. But thou art the cause of neither. Depart then, satisfied, for he also who releases thee is satisfied. This has been an INTP World production of Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and has been narrated by Robin Homer.